0: welcome to session two of a new creation teaching series that we are right now in and this session i entitled the legal status and the vital state and today we are going to talk about the innate indestructible connection between the legal status of a person before god and the vital state Uh, and when i talk about vital state i will refer to the nature the spirit nature of that person and the changes that take place in the nature of uh, of the that person's spirit, and also the privileges and the punishments that come together with that change, and this will help us. Why is this important? Because this will help us later understand what changes take place in the nature of our spirits when we become born again, when we come in Christ, when our legal status changes from dead from a, from a, a guilty to justified so and today, in this session, we will talk about two persons: the Lucifer, what was his legal and vi- legal state legal status and vital state before the fall and after the fall and then we 'll talk about Adam, the first man. How was he before the fall and how was he after the fall? And, that will, uh, in the, and then in the future session, we, sessions, we will talk about how, we're, how are we born in this world, in what legal status, what vital state and how are we after being born again? How does the legal status change and how does the nature of our spirit change? Uh, and that will help us use more effectively take advantage more effective of, of the inheritance that God has placed in us and also being able to work out our salvation Uh, As the Bible says in a more effective way. And if you are ready, let's begin and uh, open our Bibles to uh, two passages. Uh, They are a little bit long, but bear with me. They are interesting. The first one is from Ezekiel 28 verses 11 to 19. And the second one is from Isaiah 14 verses 12 to 15. Let's read the first verse of the first passage. From verse 11, Ezekiel 28. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, you had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The ruby, the topaz and the diamond, the burial, the onyx and the jasper. The lapids, lazuli, the turquoise and the emerald and the gold, the workmanship of your settings and sockets was in you. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were the anointed cherub who covers and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. By the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you as profane from the mountain of God and I have destroyed you, O covering cherub. Um, O covering cherub. Where am I? From the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that they may see you. Verse 18, by the multitude of your iniquities in the unrighteousness of your trade, you profane your sanctuaries. Therefore, I have brought fire from the midst of you. It has consumed you and I have turned you to ashes on the earth in the eyes of all who see you. All who know you among the peoples are appaled at you. You have become terrified And you will cease to be forever. What a a tragic punishment. And let's read also the second passage from Isaiah 14 verse 12 to 15. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of the pit. Amen. Before we talk about the uh, Satan's or Lucifer's legal status and vital state before the fall and after the fall, I would like to address another question that that might be in your in your mind while we read Ezekiel twenty eight. You might wonder why do I think that this passage refers to Lucifer? And why do I do that? Because we see before verse 11, this passage talks about a person, a king. But then from verse 11 onward to 19, it switches to talk about uh, this heavenly being Lucifer. And we see why, because there are some differences between a human uh, being and this person that uh, the Bible talks about we see that in verse 12 we see that this person lucifer had different attributes than a human being he, we see that he, w- he had the seal of perfection he was full of wisdom and he was perfect in beauty and also we see a different nature in verse 14 if the bible says that he was an anointed cherub and then he was play he was he had a different location uh, in verse 14, the Bible says that he was placed on the holy mountain of God and not on the earth where the humans are. And we see also, if you notice in verse 15, he had a different status and position. The Bible says that he was blameless in all his ways, which cannot be said about humans. And also a, different, a distinct judgment in verse 16 onward. Uh, he was cast down from the mountain of God. He was destroyed from the midst of the stones of fire. And um, and so on and so on. Uh, verse 17 and 18. So uh, this passage and also Isaiah talks about Lucifer, the, who was a worship leader in the heavens. He was clothed in precious stones. He was on the mountain of God. He was bringing worship to God. And the Bible describes what happened before and after the fall with this being, with Lucifer. So before the fall, Lucifer was legally blameless. It says in Ezekiel 28 verse 15, Lucifer was blameless in in his ways. This was his legal status. He was innocent. He was not justified, but without sin. But then vitally in his nature and all the, uh, let's see what privileges he enjoyed and what was his nature with this legal status. And we see that in, in verse 12, 13 and 14 of Ezekiel 28, the Bible says that he had the seal of perfection. He was full of wisdom. He was perfect in beauty. And verse 13 uh, we see that he was clothed in all these precious stones and he was shining and he was beautiful at sight. And verse 14, he was anointed. He was a cherub. He was anointed with the anointing of God to sing praises. And also he was placed on the holy mountain of God. That's, that's a high position. That's a very privileged position because everybody could see him. And the holy mountain of God is a, is a privileged position. And also in Isaiah 14 and 12, we see that he is called the star of the morning and the sun of the dawn. That's an honorable position. So he was, uh, he, since he was created by God and he was on the holy mountain of God. That means also in his nature he was created holy and without sin in his spirit nature. And in other words, uh, he was in a conditional, unfixed state of spiritual life. That means that uh, anytime if he sinned, he would lose that position, he, was loo- he would lose that state of life. So in his spirit, he had the life of God, he had, he had life, he was holy, but this was a conditional, unfixed state of spiritual life. And we'll see that after the fall, that state changed. So now let's move on to the after the fall when uh, when Lucifer sinned and unrighteousness was found in in him he was proud and he wa- he wanted to he wanted to make himself like the most high says Isaiah he wanted to ascend above the heights of the clouds even he wanted even a, a higher position than what God has given him on the holy mountain of God um and he wanted to ascend to heaven he wanted to uh, be above the throne of God wow he wanted to be above God. That's uh, that's pride. So in verse 28, in verse 15 of Ezekiel 28, we see that his legal status changed from blameless to unrighteousness, right? He became guilty before God from a state of being innocent, being uh, blameless, righteous to unrighteousness. But once this legal uh, status changed, also, his nature changed and also all the privileges he enjoyed were taken away from him. Uh, and instead, he received punishment. And we will see what punishment he, he received in two stages. So vitally, we see in 28 Ezekiel verses 16 and 17, what changes took place. He, before, by the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence and you sinned. Therefore, he was cast out to the, from the mountain of God. And he was destroyed from the midst of the stones of fire. So he internally was filled with violence. His nature internally changed the moment he sinned. But not only that, he lost the privilege of being on the holy mountain. He was cast to the ground. He was cast to the earth. And then in, verse, uh, in Isaiah 14, verse 12 and 15, we see that he has fallen from heaven. Fallen, he was cut down to the earth. That's another privilege and punishment, privilege that was taken and punishment in the same time. And verse 15 says that he was thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of Pete. And uh, we will see that Sheol uh, is the Hebrew term for the place of the dead, and the Greek term for Sheol or the place of the dead is Hades. And they are one and the same thing so satan lucifer was thrown in the place of the dead but so his spirit nature became utterly evil and which is the complete opposite to god he it, he wasn't in a middle intermediary state like humans are like adam was he adam didn't didn't become completely utterly evil but satan lucifer became utterly evil and he entered into an unconditional fixed or permanent state of death in in the so-called place of the dead that I mentioned. So it was unconditional, meaning that no matter what good thing he would do, uh, he wasn't capable of doing, he still isn't capable of doing anything good anymore. But even if he did, that means unconditional. Even if he did, he he would never be able to come back to the initial state that he had, even death. But not only that, he would never be able to experience again uh, life or be in the presence of God. So unconditional, fixed or permanent state of death. But also unredeemable. Not like Adam who was redeemable and God chose to redeem. Satan was unredeemable. And the Bible doesn't say why God considered him unredeemable. We, We could probably deduce. Uh, Why? And with the knowledge and the revelation that I I have at this this point, I could give you my personal opinion why he was unredeemable but I'm sure there is much more than this. I think that uh, Satan had much more, being on the holy mountain of God, being the worship leader of God, he had much more knowledge than Adam about about God, about sin, about, he probably even had the knowledge of good and evil he knew the difference uh, between evil good and evil and still he chose to sin so he had more knowledge than adam but he in that knowledge he sinned and the second reason why i think he was unredeemable is that uh, he wasn't uh, deceived like adam he wasn't tempted by anyone to sin he just sinned from himself from uh, unrighteousness was found in him he just became proud and he sinned against god and thirdly third I think his sin was a little bit different i, I, I don 't want to say there 's a doctrine, but I think his sin was a little bit different than adam 's sin, although sin is sin it doesn 't matter what, but he wanted to receive the worship that God receives. He wanted to be above God while adam sin was, uh, was a little bit different. but again, this is not written in the bible it 's something that I could deduce from what I know from the Bible, and probably i 'll know more when I get to heaven. But it's just interesting of thinking about these things. So he, let's come back. So he entered to an unconditional fixed state of death, but this was just the first death, was the first stage of his punishment. Because now he's not tormented. He is not, um, he's not in a place of uh, unrest. He is in the place of the dead and he does evil. He inflicts evil to people. So he, this is the first that he entered the spiritual realm of death. But there there is a second death that awaits him. The second stage of his punishment. Uh, And that second death is described in Revelation 20 verse 14. Where it says this. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The lake of fire. So we see that this second death takes place. And if you read Revelation you will see that this lake of fire. The second death is reserved for the devil and his demons. And for all those people who are not born again, who are not in Christ, but it's after at the end of the ages, after the great judgment of God, this is the final punishment that there's no coming back from there. And we see from this verse that even death itself, that that spiritual realm that death itself and hades which we said is a place of the dead is the greek term for the place of the dead both together with satan together with all his demons were thrown in the lake of fire where there is torment and punishment it's not just being devil now is living in the place of the dead and inflicts evil but in the lake of fire he will be also tormented forever amen Uh, That is important because I wanted to describe these two stages of punishment in detail. And also I'll describe them from Adam. Because then we will understand what kind of punishment Jesus Christ took for man. And what was the wages of sin that Christ paid at the cross. Now let's, let's move on to Adam. We talked about Lucifer before the fall and after the fall. And now let's talk, let's talk about Adam and, uh, let's read the first uh, two passages from Genesis 1, 26 to 27 and Genesis 2, verse 7. We read them in the first session, but we'll read them, read them again here because we'll, we'll see a little bit, uh, some different things than in the first session. Genesis 1, 26, 27. Then God said, let us make men in our image according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image, the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. In Genesis 2.7. Then the Lord God formed man of the dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Amen. So let's analyze these two passages. How was Adam, the first man before the fall? What was his legal status? We can, in these two passages we don't see clearly what was his legal status but we can again deduce it. Because uh, the Bible says that Adam was created in God's image, first of all, and God is holy. and. Uh, also he was created very good perfect. Genesis 1:31 says God saw all that he made and behold it was very good. So that means Adam was created in a in a state of holiness without sin because he was uh, he was also able to enjoy fellowship with God. And Habakkuk 1:13 says that your eyes are too pure to approve evil and you cannot look on wickedness with favor. God can never have fellowship with evil or wickedness. And so since Adam had fellowship with God in the Garden of Eden, that means Adam was holy in, in his, his legal status was holy without sin. And he enjoyed that fellowship with God because God is holy. Now let's see connected to that legal status of holiness, of initial holiness. What was his vital state? What, what was his nature? What, was he, uh, what were his privileges? We see in Genesis 2, 7, the second passage, that he received the life of God, the breath of life. That means... He received the life of God and he was also holy in the, in the nature of his spirit. Not just legally, but vitally he was holy because he had the life of God. But I want you to notice that his holiness, his initial state of holiness was not the same as God's. It was not fixed. Why do I say that? Because God, we know from the Bible and we will read three passages. To see that God can never sin. It is impossible for God to sin. It is impossible for God to deny himself. And it is impossible for God to ever die. Or to be unholy. And we see that in Hebrews 6 verse 18. We read... So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. This is awesome. This is extraordinary. God can never lie. And not only lie. This is just an example. It is impossible for God to sin. And also we read in two, uh, 2 Timothy 2 verse 13. Says if we are faithless, faithless he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. God can never deny himself. That's what makes him God. If he decrees something, if he says something, if he sets a law in place, he can never break that law. He can never break his own decrees. He is faithful to his own decrees. He is faithful to himself. And he, cannot, he can never deny himself. And James 1.13 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil... And he himself does not tempt anyone; God can never be tempted by evil he and he doesn't tempt anyone to sin, so god's holiness is fixed as is, uh, he can never sin, but Adam, as we know, he was able he was still able to sin, he was still able to come out of that state of holiness as he did. Adam wasn't a conditional uh, in, in Pretty much in the same way that Lucifer was, he was in a conditional, unfixed state of spiritual life. That means, as long as he obeyed God to not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, as he could have done any other sin, probably any other thing. But as long as he, he um, as long as he obeyed God, that specific command that God has given him, he would have lived forever. He would continue to live. Forever, but he could still experience death, as as we know that he did, and we don't know that affair. That probably, if Adam would would have continued to obey God and not eat for a while, or, or maybe eat from the tree of life, he would probably entered. He would have entered in a state of fixed holiness like God, or a state of fixed righteousness where he would not be able, like God, to sin. Or, but we don't know that. He would probably enter in an unconditional fixed state of life or immortality or righteousness. But let's come back. I want to say two more things here about Adam before the fall. I want you to know that Adam, before the fall, he did not have the knowledge of good and evil. And we see that in Genesis 3.22. He did not have it, but God had it. And even though God does not have any sin. He never sinned and will never sin. We we see from the Bible that he had the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis 3.22 Then the Lord God said, this, this is after the fall of Adam. The Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us. Knowing good and evil. So the moment Adam fell and ate from that tree, he became like one of us. Like, like God. Knowing good, that means God knew good and evil, but he never sinned. And by God's grace, by God's mercy, we we will see that after we become born again, we will have the knowledge of good and evil like God, but we will also will be on the path to becoming like God without sin. So that's that's the beauty of the gospel. That now we've passed through evil, we passed through sin. We know what evil is. We know what good is. But then through the redemptive work of Christ, we have another chance to live forever without sin, but still having the knowledge, knowing what evil good and evil is, and never come back to it. Amen. A second thing that I wanted to mention about Adam before the fall is that he he had the life of God in him. He had the breath of life, as the Bible says. But he didn't have eternal life at that stage. His life wasn't eternal life. He was the life of God, but not eternal. Why do I say that? Because in the same passage, uh, uh, two verses later, uh, Genesis three twenty-two to 24 let's read it together, says this. Then the Lord God said, Behold, a man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might stretch out his hand to take also from the tree of life, and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the, from the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out and at the, at the east of the garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which, he, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. See how God, how Adam and God was to, to, uh, cast Adam out to, uh, to not touch the tree of life after he sinned, after he fell. Wait a minute. Adam already sinned. Adam was in death. Adam fell from the state of holiness and still the Bible says that if in that moment if he had eaten from the tree of life he would continue to live forever no matter what no matter what sins Adam did after that he would continue to live forever he would never experience spiritual death again that's extraordinary that tells us something important about eternal life that uh, if in the first life that he received he received the breath of life from God he was able to die and enter spiritual death when he ate from this tree of tree of, if he would have eaten from that tree, he would have never, if he had eaten from that tree, he would have never died again. He would live forever. So the first difference between the life that Adam received and the eternal life is that once you have eternal life, you live forever. You can never experience death. And we see that in also in John. 11, 25, 26. And this eternal life, this is the life that a Christian receives when he is born again. He receives eternal. He is not, he doesn't go back to the same position that Adam was at the beginning. He goes to a much elevated, much elevated and superior position than Adam. Because a born again Christian has the knowledge of good and evil. And also has eternal life meaning that he can never die. He can never experience death again. And we see that in John 11, 25 to 26. Uh, Read with me. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will, will live even if he dies, meaning physically, if he dies physically, will continue to live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? So the person who believes in Christ, in, in Jesus, will never die, no matter what. They will never be able to experience death again. Isn't that awesome? The God deserves all the praise and all the, all the honor because he's so good and he's so full of wisdom, full of love, full of, full of grace. Why do I say that Adam didn't have eternal life? We see that in 1 Corinthians 15, 45, we see an important difference. Uh, read with me 1 Corinthians 15:45. So also it is written the first man Adam became a living soul the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. So the first Adam was just a living soul. He had the life of God but just for himself to live. But the second Adam Jesus the last Adam had become a life-giving spirit. And everyone who comes into Christ who comes into his uh, everyone who is born again becomes also, a life-giving spirit. This is the second difference between the, uh, just having life and eternal life. Once you have eternal life, you, you you not only have life for yourself, the life of God, but you give life. You create life by your words. You have You are a life-giving spirit. Amen? That's in Christ. So, eternal life, you live forever no matter what. And you are also able to give life. That's extraordinary. Now, God told Adam that the day he will eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he will surely die, and he did. And we see that in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 to 17. Let's read it together. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. Now, we know that the moment Adam ate and Eve ate from that tree, their bodies were not annihilated on the, on the spot. They didn't just disappear or cease to exist. And uh, also their minds and their thoughts, their reason, their soul were not affected on the spot. But still something significant of Adam died. The Bible says that he died. His person died. But we know that only his spirit entered death. The realm of death uh, immediately. So his spirit entered death, but the Bible says that he died. The, his person That That means the real identity, as I mentioned in the first session, the real identity of a person, the real person is the spirit. That doesn't mean, um, and I'll say here, that doesn't mean that um, that... The soul and the body are not important uh, and uh, or that they are sinful uh, according to there is uh, there is a philosophy Gnosticism uh, And the Gnostics philosophy claims that since the spirit is everything the spirit is the most important is the real person is the real Identity of a person then the body and the soul are sinful and without any value So so they can sin and do whatever and get away with it the soul and the body are an integral part of the human being together with the spirit. And I'll give you an example, let's take for instance the whole electrical system that brings light in our homes. We have the power plant, uh, which is the the power plant, the transporting wires, electrical wires and then the bulbs, the lighting bulbs in our house and the, the switches. Now we know that the power plant is the core of this whole system. is the main thing generating electric electrical power that comes into our home. And without our power plant, we will not have light in our house. So the the transporting wires and the bulbs are less are less important than the core. But still, if uh, the wires will not be there or the bulbs will not be there. We will still not have light in our uh, lights in our house, right? So the whole system is important is integral they work together so Even if the power plant is the most important thing is the real thing in this whole system It cannot exist without the wires without the switch without the bulb. in the same way the spirit is the per- is the real person but the soul and the body are very much affected by the nature of that spirit, by that spirit. They are not separate. You cannot, when God looks at you, he looks like, he looks at your spirit, soul, and body. Amen? I just wanted to clarify this. And also one more thing. Why do you think, why do you think Adam died when he ate from that fruit? That's another question that I asked myself and I would like to answer. Why did Adam die? It was because of the properties of that fruit? Or because he disobeyed a direct command of God. A specific command of God. What do you think? We read in Genesis 3.22. That God had the knowledge of good and evil. Without sin. So that means. That there uh, there wasn't anything in the properties of that fruit. That made Adam dead. That made him die. Because God had that knowledge without being dead. So not the fruit. The the problem was not the fruit. were not the properties of that fruit. But the fact that he broke a specific and direct command of God. He disobeyed God. And that's one important thing that I just wanted to mention. Uh, Moving on. We see that when Adam died, meaning that death entered in his spirit when, and was separated from the life of God, thus entered death, that um, that death of the spirit affected his soul and the body on the long term. What do I mean by that? It means that the training of the mind after this, after his spirit that he had before dying didn't change immediately. And if you remember, I said in the first session that the nature of a spirit can change immediately on the spot, but the training of the mind doesn't change immediately. It takes time to catch up with the change that had took place in the nature of the spirit. And in the same way, uh, like Adam was used in his mind, his mind was trained to think a certain way. When he was created, he had... Um, Certain power, certain abilities. He was a certain, he had a certain way of behaving himself and his mind, even with the animals in the garden, with uh, all the tasks that God gave him, he did it in a certain way and his fellowship with God. So his mind functioned in a certain way. But the moment he died, the mind had to learn now, uh, started to learn, began to learn a different way of life a different uh, so progressively he discovered first what was the first thing that he discovered his mind discovered after his spirit died that he was naked and he was ashamed so his mind had to adjust with that that's just an example then all the, all of the sudden the animals began to act wild and he had to adjust to that new way of living before that, he, the animals came to him and he gave them names and they, were, um, they didn't attack, they, were, they, they weren't wild, they were peaceful. But after the fall, death crept in the whole creation, not just in his spirit. We see that even the environment around him was affected by the change that took place in his nature because God made him a ruler over the earth. When that ruler uh, uh, state, vital state changed... The environment changed also. That's, that's, uh, that's interesting. Uh, and then what other thing. He had to work hard now to make a living. Before he didn't have to work hard. Right? He just had food. He just had everything at his disposal without working hard. So that's another thing that his mind had to adjust. So in other words, he had to renew his mind to the new state and the nature of his spirit, which was death. Why do I emphasize this thing? Because when we are born again, when we come from this fallen state into Christ, and the nature of our spirits changes instantly, our minds have to be trained again, have to have to be renewed again to catch up with what has taken place in our. We are no, we are no longer just humans, merely humans, as Paul says in one of his letters. We become. Um, we receive the divine nature in us. We are part, We become partakers of the divine nature of eternal life. So our spirit changes and um, a lot of other things change in our environment, in our bodies, in our souls, and even the physical body we see. And this is interesting. And I'll talk about Adam's physical body, how was affected by the change in his spirit. We know that Adam's body died progressively until he reached the age of 930 years. That means less than 1,000 years. And if you look in, if you read in the Bible, at least from what we have revealed from the Bible, there's no person that lived more than 1,000 years in the Bible. The oldest person in the Bible, Methuselah, lived 969 years and then he died. And we see that in Genesis 5, 5, 5 and 5 with 27. Let's read it together. Genesis chapter 5, verse 5. So all the days of Adam... Lived w- lived were nine hundred and thirty years and he died. So Adam died at nine hundred and thirty years. Then Genesis five twenty seven. So all the days of Methuselah were nine hundred and sixty nine years and he died. So this one was the oldest man uh, that lived on the face of the earth. But then we see in chapter three eight that God says that one day is as one thousand years and one thousand years is one day. We read that 2 Peter 3, Three Eight, but do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. Now, I cannot really understand how how that is and how does how I cannot explain how it is, but it is the Bible says it so, but here is an interesting uh, an, an interesting thing if a day is one thousand years and one thousand years is one day in god 's eyes, that means. Um, Adam, in his all personality, his spirit, his soul, and body, died in that day. In the day he ate from the, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, his spirit died immediately in that physical day. But then his soul uh, became corrupted, and his body died. His physical body died in less than one thousand years, according to that to that verse from Peter. God was right when he said that Adam would die in that day and he really died in that day. Uh, spirit, soul and body. And that that was just an interesting thing to see how accurate the Bible is. And, and then we will see when we are born again that the change in the nature of our spirit that takes place starts affecting our soul, our mind and our body. That's why we have health in Christ. That's why we have um, uh, peace, joy. Um, we can experience all these things uh, that I meant. Because these are the aspects and the, the facets of spiritual life. Of eternal life. That's the nature of God. So the change in the spirit starts affecting the soul and the body. And quickens the body. And Romans says the spirit quickens the body. Activates the body. Gives life to the body. Amen. So how was uh, the first man, Adam, after the fall? He was legally guilty. He became Unrighteous, as uh, pretty much as, uh, as Lucifer, and then vitally in his nature, his nature and essence became sin. And here's one uh, other important thing sin was not just imputed on him, but he became sin in his very core nature. Yeah, a, a lot of times Christians say that after we become born again, righteousness is imputed to us. In other words, they want to say that we are still sinners. But when God looks at us, he sees us uh, holy, saints. And that's not true because um, Adam, he didn't remain righteous in his nature. Meaning that God didn't just consider him sinful when he looked at him. Adam became s- sinful, meaning uh, if, if, we, if we take the same analogy that we use for Christians, that, uh, that righteousness is just imputed to us, if sin, was just imputed to Adam. That means Adam remained holy in his nature, remained righteous in his nature. But when God looked at him, would see him sinful. But we know that's not true. He became corrupted. He became polluted in, his, in the nature of his spirit. And then his soul and body became corrupted too. So his sinfulness was, or, um, was not just imputed into Adam, but Adam became sinful. That's why I'm talking about this, because there is a a great change, a vital change that takes place in the nature of one's spirit once the legal status changes. Amen? So, Adam entered the realm of death. Adam, Adam became dead in his nature, and sin brought spiritual death that we talked about in the first session with it. Death ultimately manifests itself through physical death as well. So... Death transpires from spirit, soul, and to the body. And all the sinful actions of Adam. From that point forward. Sprang. Uh, particularly. Especially. Mostly. From the sinful nature that he got when he fell. He got a, a principle of evil. He got the sinful flesh. The flesh is not just. The, the flesh starts first. first In the nature of one spirit. That's where the evil is. It's spiritual death. Amen. And. Adam entered a conditional, unfixed state of death. This was the first stage of his punishment, uh, uh, similar to Lucifer. He, he was in a conditional, redeemable, unfixed state of death. So it's not like Lucifer. He entered the first stage like Lucifer, but his state was unfixed. It was conditional, meaning that Adam was uh, still capable, able to be redeemed if God intervened. Amen. Amen. So, But this was the first uh, stage, the first death. He became subject to sickness, to all the attributes of spiritual death. So he lost some privilege and he started experiencing some punishment, some suffering. He began to work hard and all the other things, evil or death, things of the death, spiritual death that we experience uh, on this earth. And if Christ did not come... I want you to notice that the whole penalty for sin, the whole, wages, uh, the whole wage for the Adam's sin, if Christ did not come, Adam and then the whole humanity would have uh, also experienced a second death, the lake of fire that I talked about when I talked about uh, Lucifer. And that would have been an unconditional, unredeemable fixed state of death. This is the penalty. This is the whole punishment uh, for sin. This change in nature, uh, the that first man entered spiritual death, and he started he began experiencing all kinds of things of evil. But he also began to have sinful actions coming from this evil nature of the spirit. It's not just the product of the mind or body. The flesh, the flesh, is, consists of that evil principle from the nature of the spirit. That death in the, in the spirit uh, then uh, consists of the training of the mind. And then the, all the things that the body is used to, all the habits, all the processes that go along with that, that install, that uh, set up, are set up in our body once. And we train them. We train our soul, our mind and our body after the nature of our spirit. So the flesh, the main core of the flesh comes from the spirit. And then the secondary part of the flesh and the flesh, fleshful actions in the soul and the body. Uh, are generated from that nature. Why do I explain that? Because we will see when we become born again, that evil principle, that core thing that generated our sinful actions is removed. Amen? But uh, I go ahead of myself, we will talk in details. And I, I, I make references to these future sessions because I want you to understand. How important is this? What I'm trying to lay here, what are uh, the, the foundational concepts that I'm trying to discuss? I, I began in the first session and I'm, I'm continuing in the second session. So the, all these concepts will help us understand and will give us a deeper understanding of the gospel. What, happened when, what, what happens when we are saved? What are the privileges? What are the things that we can enjoy once we are saved? Amen. And now, as I did in the first session, we'll uh, close here. But I want us to uh, memorize two other passages, two other verses that I selected from this session. And I'll read them as they are. The first one is uh, from 1 Corinthians 15, 45. It says this. So also it is written. The first, uh, first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. And the second verse it's Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Those who are born again, God gives eternal life. Right now you have eternal life. means that That means you will never die again. That's awesome. Even when you pass, even if your body dies physically, you will never die again. But more important than this. While we are on this earth, this life, this eternal life that is in us, it's able to give life to our bodies, to our soul. That's why it's called a life-giving spirit. And in another place, it's rivers of living water that flow and you are filled with the Holy Spirit, which is part of that new nature. You become one spirit with the Lord. You become one spirit with the Holy Spirit. And the life from Christ, from the Holy Spirit, uh, comes into your spirit. And your spirit is full of life. Amen? Uh, until next time, we'll meet uh, again, and we'll talk about. Uh, next time, we'll talk about uh, uh, the more uh, more in deep of the gospel. What happened at the cross, and then what happened, what happens when we become born again? Until then, may God bless you and fill you with His wisdom, with His power, with His Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, Amen.